If you need a new roof or a repair, Easton Roofing will take care of you. Estimates are always free and suggestions are built on integrity. Visit EastonRoofing.com for more information. Get back to business faster with Easton Roofing. Easton Roofing. Integrity matters. Impress your friends, amaze your coworkers, make your family proud. Here's what you need to know. I'm going to tell you what you need to know. Welcome back into the program. Fourth quarter of the program underway. We are at Radio Row in Las Vegas. Todd Lebo sitting in this segment for Serene Petro. He'll be back in a little bit with Gary Parrish of CBS Sports. Talk a little college. College basketball, big sunflower showdown last night, and we will have Bethany Bowman up tonight. We've got the night shift with Jack Johnson. we got more Super Bowl stuff you'd ever want to talk about. We're going to talk a little Royals baseball, too, because Bobby Witt had a press conference today. So much stuff going on, guys. Let's get right to it. Um, the Chiefs have been really kind of healthy all year long, but then the playoffs, injuries kind of started kind of popping up a little bit, and so now there are some questions this week. Heading into the actual Super Bowl, Andy Reid met with the media today, and he was asked, if Kadarius Tony could possibly play in this game, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. He's been practicing, and, um, and we'll just see whether he's up or, or not. Yep. And what about Jarek McKinnon as well? Uh, Jarek is not practicing. Uh, I tell you, it's slim uh, for him to be out there. Yeah, I talked to Jarek McKinnon last night at opening night, and I said, man, it's really good to see you up and around. He was on crutches in the locker room last time I saw him a few weeks ago. He's four weeks off of surgery, but it's going to be a real stretch for him to make it. That's too bad because he's been a really good part for what the Chiefs do. Now, the other side of this on the offensive line is Joe Tooney, who's got that pec injury. Nick Allegretti has filled in admirably for him. Andy Reid was asked what he needs to see from Tooney this week to get on the field. It's strength um, and making sure that he's in a position that he doesn't get hurt uh, worse than what he's got. And so that's uh, that's what we look at. Do you, do you anticipate he's going to try to practice this week? Uh, we'll see. I, I mean, I think it's a long shot, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Sounds like you're going to see, yeah, Nick Allegretti out there. You just can't, Curtis. If you've got a pec injury, you just got to be able to withstand a bull rush and all that. And if you don't have, you're you're you're, you're dead in water playing guard if you can't work half your pack. Yeah, you and know, if he's, that's if, not a good spot to be in. And if he's not 100% as far as the strength, then the fact that he's a better player than the guy who's replacing him is, you know, taken back. And you'd rather have a guy who's 90 per, or 85% of Joe Tooney at 100% strength than Joe Tooney out there uh, with 80% or 75% of his own strength. I compared it earlier. When yeah, the, when the injury first happened, I compared it to imagine injuring your pack and trying to bench press. Now imagine that weight isn't just dead weight. It's it's live weight coming at mm-hmm. you and pushing back at you. That's a lot for your yeah, and it can it can, it can go at your bad pack. It can like run at your bad pack. Not not fun. Not fun. All right. So we had weird opening night last night. Like we told some stories, some fun stuff, weird reporters, and all that stuff. It doesn't stop when it gets more formal. So today at the team hotel, they had some media availability, and Coach Reed was asked a pretty interesting question by a reporter from Germany. Coach, right here. Yep. Gotcha. Uh, question from Germany. Yep. Um, as you said before, um, times have changed a lot. Uh, the internet, mobile phones. Um, what do you say about the conspiracies that uh, have popped up concerning Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, like some kind of Republican conspiracies that you guys made it into the Super Bowl to actually secretly reelect or help reelect President Biden? Mm. That's, that's way out of my league. Very similar to me speaking German. (laughs) 
I, but I, listen, we appreciate. Uh, I appreciate the question. She's she's been great, um, and um, we had a nice visit with President Biden. That's about as far as I can go. Last year, <laughs> yeah, with that. His, so, his but he's not reaction. denying there's a conspiracy, right? He didn't no. say no. He didn't say no. But I just think he just kind of went, hmm. <laughs> huh. How about that one? As Sam McDowell and I were talking about last hour, it ain't so bad just hearing from, you know, Vahe and Sam and me and, you know, Blair Kirkhoff asking questions. It's not yeah. the end of the world, you know? Yeah. Well, I tell you what. I, There'll I would, be more craziness tomorrow. Regardless of anyone's political leanings, I bet Chiefs fans are hoping he has another uh, visit with President Biden soon. Because that means they won the Super Absolutely. Bowl. Absolutely. They'll take a pre- presidential visit with anyone. It means the Super Bowl. Uh, they'll, they'll be all for anything. That's no question about it. All right. So Patrick Mahomes, speaking of winning Super, Super Bowls, he, is, uh, he was asked what it means to be playing in his fourth one so early in his career. It's humbling because I never thought I would be in this many Super Bowl games, honestly. I mean, you, you, you strive to, to be great, um, but you understand how hard it is to even be in this game. And for us to be in uh, my fourth one and, and my six years of starting, um, it truly is remarkable. And I, I don't take it for granted because you never know if you're going to be able to be back in this game. I definitely don't think he takes for granted, man. I'm telling you, we talked about that with McDowell last hour. The best players on this team work so hard. And they're yeah. so dedicated. You just absolutely have to have that. And it starts with with him. I mean, he is truly, in many ways, uh, a, a Jordan-like figure. He's as close as there has been uh, in the National Football League, even even counting Brady, to be a Jordan-like guy, a guy who's freak show talented and unbelievably com- competitive. But that, that's something we haven't seen at that position to that level, maybe ever. Yeah, for sure. You combine it with the winning and all. We've seen some crazy athletes do some fun stuff, but you've got to win, man, and you've got to bring everyone along with you. And that's what he has been doing, along with Travis Kelsey, who's a great tight end, obviously. But, you know, you can still get a little bit nervous with these big games, and that's what Travis was asking about today. Do you have those jitters this week heading into the Super Bowl? Ain't no jitters for me, baby. I'm excited for this one, man. I'm excited for the challenge. I know it's going to be our biggest challenge yet, and uh, there's no doubt seeping, seeping in. Um, we got a great football team, uh, and we're going up against a great football team. It's going to be one for the ages. I'm just excited for it, man. Yeah, I think there's a difference between excitement and nervousness and jitters. And I think at this point in Travis Kelsey's career, he's excited because this is legacy stuff. He talks, he yeah. and Patrick talk about legacy, and especially him now at this point in his career, he talks about legacy. And this is how you win legacy. You, you win championships. They seem to ride that knife edge. Uh, amazingly well, and, and we're you know too keyed up, not keyed up enough. You know, understanding the weight of the situation, but while not being overwhelmed by it, they they've ridden that that line so perfectly since they've been here. Yeah, pretty good. One last Chiefs thing to talk about. Andy Reid was asked again today about retirement. Clark Hunt answered the question today with Jason Anderson. It doesn't smell like he's going to be retiring any time to me. So today's yeah. not the day, and why would you retire if you got this group of guys? So I personally believe any noise you see about that mm-hmm. happening this offseason would be super shocking and surprising to me. Somebody once referred to no John question. Elway as an immediate cure for coaches' burnout. Patrick Mahomes absolutely fits that bill. No, no question about it. All right, uh, Royals, big press conference today. You heard it right here on Sports Radio 810. Bobby Witt Jr., John Sherman, and J.J. Piccolo. 
talking about this big deal that was agreed to yesterday, 11 years or 14 years, however you want to count it up, 280-some million, 300-some million dollars. Amazing deal that got put together, and Royals owner John Sherman took everyone through the timeline of how this thing all came together. JJ and I asked for a meeting with Bobby Sr. and Bobby Jr. I think it was in September, and... uh, and we expressed uh, really three things at that meeting. Number one is that we wanted to make a proposal to Bobby to keep him here for a long time. Number two, we wanted to understand what was important to him and his team. And we wanted to make sure he knew that we were committing, committed to putting a winning team on the field around him. And then that process took a while, right? We made our first offer at the winter meetings. Uh, there were a number of counters. But anyway, it culminated, I guess, over the weekend, uh, maybe not finally, until you got your physical. I was a little nervous this morning when he put the pen in his hand. Are you going to sign it? I thought it was pretty well cooked by then. So pretty cool there from John Sherman to get that deal done. And they've been talking about this. Every time I would see J.J. in the offseason, what's going on? "Ah, You know, conversations, conversations. It got a little hotter this week, and they got the deal done, and that's good news. Patrick Mahomes today said, I'm glad he's going to be in Kansas City for the long run. run. He's the right type of guy you want leading an organization. So that's another young superstar in town. So Mahomes, obviously a a minority owner in the the Royals, excited, a big baseball fan too, so that's pretty cool. Here's Bobby Witt talking about getting this deal done and all the fanfare that's going to be around him signing this contract. It's unbelievable. It's just being able, all the text messages I was getting, um, just seeing, like, breaking news, and it was me. And so it was pretty, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was pretty special. And just all the, the, like I said, the support from family, friends. Um, it, was, it was pretty special being able to just see the text messages from the guys. One of them being Patrick Mahomes was pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, just from... Everyone just all the support, the city, and even just kind of going around. Like we were out Fan Fest this past weekend. Everyone's like, "Oh, when you get that contract done? When you get that contract? When we want you here forever? We want you to be a Kansas City and forever." And so it was just pretty special to be able to hear that and all the support and all the love from everyone. Yeah, it's it's interesting, Curtis. You remember there was a uh, you know some billboards, I guess five six years ago. Uh, Adalberto Mondesi and Patrick Holmes, these young stars. Oh yeah, you know? that's right, and. Uh, I guess the modesty didn't didn't come through, no. but I think I think this one's legit. Yeah. I think Bobby Witt is. I think he found some stuff two years ago, and he really found it last year. And if you get some more people around him, he can really take off. And that's all three of them talked about that. Sherman, J.J. Piccolo, and Bobby Witt today. Witt talked about how the, the moves they made in the offseason made him want to sign. Sherman talked about how uh, the players who he signed in the offseason talked about Bobby Witt. And then J.J. Piccolo said, hey, man, guys want to play with Bobby Witt. So that may be an impact for them f- in, in the future. So it's it's fantastic news for that franchise. Yeah, Petro will be down at spring training for uh, a few weeks. Well, not three, in a few weeks for a couple of days. We're not sitting there for a few weeks. He'll be back right here next with Gary Parish on Sports Radio 10. It's No Hangovers May with Greenlight Dispensary. Enjoy their flower specials all month long by visiting one of their four KC area locations. Or check out their AI bud tenders at greenlightdispensary.com. That's greenlightdispensary.com. Welcome back here on the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. The 5 o'clock hour rolls on as we are broadcasting from all over the place. A little bit of KC, a little bit of Vegas. Of course, I'll be wall-to-wall in Vegas the rest of the week. Our Radio Road coverage is brought to you by the uh, Low T Center. Uh, do you know uh, the Low T Center makes it easy for you to check your numbers? Go to LowTCenter.com today to make an appointment. Low T Center, reinventing 
Men's Health Care. Also brought to you by Deep Pasquale, more injury attorneys, Greenlight Dispensary, and Hollywood Casino. Let's welcome Gary Parrish to the uh, program. Gary, how are you, sir? I'm wonderful. And I tell you, as I was doing my show in segment where it's called five more things need to know and it's just a device to allow me to touch on five stories that i otherwise might not get to just like some simple thoughts here and there and i'm going through it and i'm like all right um the super bowl kansas city chiefs and then it's like oh travis kelsey said he's heard part of taylor swift's new album and then it's uh bobby witt signs a contract with the royals and it's kansas state and kansas played last night I, Eric Bieniemy just lost his job, the former Chiefs offensive coordinator. I just recognize, like, you guys really are, as a city, like the center of the sports universe right now. Yeah, we uh, we have a lot going on, uh, to say the very least. Uh, it is a, a busy time in Kansas City. And, yeah, the Bobby Witt thing, we're like, you know, we're going to have, you know, months where we're creating topics. Like, what, why are you raining topics on us right now when we don't need it? We have the Super Bowl. Well, the- well, that is actually interesting. I wonder, because I didn't think about that, but I wonder if somebody in PR with the Royals actually said, hey, it's awesome that we're going to get this deal done. Let's try to keep it under wraps till next week so we don't get overshadowed completely by what's happening out of Las Vegas. Um, they routinely schedule press conferences when they know shows are changing over to try to, I think, get no one there. So I would say, <laughs> you know, no, nobody, if they did, they came up with what they thought would be the worst plan and put it together because, right. uh, it's, a, they had the press conference in between where two of our shows, one was ending and one was starting. So that takes all of those people out of the equation of being able to get out to the press conference. So you're giving far too much credit. I believe okay, I to, uh, okay. to what went on there. And but, 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 but in all seriousness, I was just sort of like happy for you guys. Yeah. I know how difficult it must be to root for a baseball team that you don't feel like is spending the way you want them to spend and doing the things you want them to do. And that that's a big statement for that franchise. So I was just I, when I saw that last night or this morning, whenever I saw it, I was just happy. Like there's two AL franchises over the past week that have shown, hey, we're trying to get serious about this. In Baltimore, they go out and make a deal for Corbin Burns and then in KC, they go out and get this Bobby Witt uh, contract all done. So that's uh, that's that's two encouraging uh, baseball things for franchises that haven't had a whole lot of stuff to be encouraged about, um, you know, over the years. If you're wondering, is that big market baseball fan Gary Parrish giving us a pat on the head? You bet it is. <laughs> As this New York Mets will drop, you know, several billion dollars in signings here before it's all said and done. I'm sure they'll come swooping in uh, with some big contracts. No, but that, that's very kind of you, uh, and, and we do appreciate it. And it has been uh, quite a last couple of days for sure. And uh, the Super Bowl is, is you know, amazing. It's And this one – we didn't actually think we were going to be here. I mean, we had to rebook some things because it was just going to be me and Todd going out. I'm, I'm still on my original flight. Todd went out earlier, but we were going Tuesday to Friday because we thought we were just going to cover the Super Bowl. You know, we'll be there and have our presence, but, you know, it didn't our team. And, you know, Lebo's running around today out at the team hotel and last night at the big media fest and everything. So, yeah, it, uh, this one is, is quite sweet. Uh, so, yes, uh, thank you very much. And, we did have a nice appetizer, KUK State last night. Not necessarily the prettiest game, right? Uh, there was, you know, a couple of stretches there where I'm like, have you guys played this before? It's called basketball. Right. You know, uh, it, it got a little ugly, but that's a rivalry basketball, I guess. But is it too much to say K-State saved its season with that game? Yes, um, but, but what K-State did do is give itself a reason to believe it can ultimately save its season and get where it wants to get, which I think is 
you know, the NCAA tournament. If you're putting a pass-fail bar somewhere for this team, I think that's a reasonable place to put it. And obviously getting a massive win in overtime, not just over one of the best teams in the country, but over your in-state rival who was coming off of a, you know, perhaps the most impressive victory anybody had over the weekend of just a total domination of a, a Houston team. I just thought this was kind of a perfect illustration of life in the Big 12. You go back a couple weeks, and Jerome Tang was quite literally saying, that Houston team might have the best defense I've ever seen in my life. All right? Then Kansas shoots nearly 70% against that same Houston team and blows them out of Allen Fieldhouse. And then that same Kansas team goes to Kansas State, the team whose coach just said, man, I don't see how anybody scores against Houston, and the team who was on a – or a team that was on a four-game losing streak, and then, of course, who wins? Kansas State uh, upsets Kansas inside Bramlage. And I, I, I noticed this as tip-off was approaching. On a surface level, this is a big gambling game on Monday night. There wasn't much else on. We're done with Monday night football, obviously. And you had a Kansas team coming off a massive win where they just destroyed a team that's still ranked number one in the net and at Ken Palm, that's Houston, and a Kansas State team that had lost four straight. And the number was only four and a half. And then as tip-off approached, it dropped to four. It dropped to three and a half. They were begging people to drop Kansas. And anytime you see something like that happening, um, it, it always makes me – I'll tell you this. If I were somebody who was leaning toward betting Kansas on Monday night, as that number kept coming down, I would have just stayed away from it. That, that's We joke all the time about funny business in, in betting markets, and that seemed like a an example where they were really begging folks to get on Kansas, and that's never – you never want to be on that side of things, or at least it doesn't often work out with you when you are. Yeah, uh, it's amazing. And, and this was – the way I described it earlier was you have uh, – you know, it's a great win for K-State, no, no doubt about yeah. it. Maybe we should have been a little more predictable. A bounce back off just a subpar performance for K-State against Oklahoma State, but then let down City for KU. A dog in their own place against Houston, you know, and, and, and then I know it's the Sunflower Showdown and all that, but it's an unranked K-State team that just lost to Oklahoma State. I actually almost feel like Kansas' showing was pretty good. I mean, Bill Self doesn't get blown out for the most part, right? Like, even when they lose, it's usually hard fought and comes down to the wire. But there was a lot of reason for them to come very flat and for K-State to have all their best. And maybe this be a little bit more of a comfortable game for K-State, and it certainly wasn't. KU still almost stole this game in the end, and I, and I think – Again, it's not – Kansas is judged by wins, not losses. They don't have good losses. This isn't a little engine that could that's building something. They are what they are. But I don't think this was a bad loss on the big picture of things for Kansas. No. Um, this is one of those deals where this is going to happen to every Big 12 team. Not necessarily lose at Kansas State, but you're going to really be good about your stuff and you're going to be playing an unranked team on the road, and you're going to get caught. Like, this is life in this league. You know, 10 of the 14 teams in the Big 12 are in the top 40 of the net. And I I looked this up earlier. Let me double-check it just so I got it right. The average net ranking of Big 12 teams right now is 45.57. That's like 17 points better than the Big Ten, which ranks second right now. The average Big Ten net ranking for a school is 62.64. Again, in the Big 12, it's 45.57. So you are more often than not playing a top 40 team, almost always playing uh, a team that is projected to make the NCAA tournament, 
And I don't care where you're ranked, number one, number three, number seven, number 10. If you're on the road in a hostile environment against a legitimate NCAA tournament contender, even if that team doesn't have a number next to its name, you're susceptible to that. And that's what happened on Monday night. I could break down free throw line discrepancies and Kansas's lack of three-point shooting and give you a bunch of statistical stuff that would illustrate how last night happened. But you got to adjust for the loss in the rankings just because that's the way rankings work. But I don't really think any differently today than I thought about Kansas this time yesterday. Kansas is a team that still has arguably the best starting lineup in the country, arguably the best coach in the country. They just really lack depth. They don't have anything on that bench, and it really might be a five-player team. And I don't know if you can win a championship with just five guys you can rely on, but I know that I won't count Bill Self out from doing that because he's he's the type of guy who's capable of doing it. K-State played just seven uh, in this game. Right. And, and you mentioned the lack of three-point shooting, but the like – if you can't, we watched West Virginia not be able to throw it in the ocean since they came to the Big 12 with Bob Huggins, right? Like, that's what they did. You know what they did? They turned you over and they got on the glass. Kansas doesn't get on the glass. They can turn you over a little bit, but they, they don't get on the glass. And I, I listen, I think KJ Adams is the description of, I remember when Christian Moody was starting for Kansas. I'm like, wonderful player. It's great. But this is why you're not going to have your typical year because Christian Moody should be your seventh or eighth guy. KJ Adams is that same kind of guy. He doesn't shoot. I think I think he'd be a much better player ten years ago because he doesn't shoot at all, and he got two rebounds. Two rebounds. That's the thing. And and, and I almost I don't know how much of the game you were able to watch. If if but the it, it seemed almost like they had been pounded. And we got a rebound. Get a body on somebody. Get a body on somebody. And they at times seemed like they were more focused on boxing out. And forgetting about, and they forgot about the ball because they were so focused on it's been drilled into them. So I think it'll get better. But like KJ Adams, he works well in the offense. He gets some good buckets. He is a nice player to have, but it doesn't, this is a sign of why they're going to fall short of what a normal Kansas expectation is. That's fair. Um, it is true that in modern basketball, or really just basketball, you kind of want your four to either be a stretch four or a, or, or a guy who can go, you know, rebound for you and, and create extra shots that way in possessions on the defensive end. And he might not be either one of those guys. So he's not an ideal fit there. But, um, you know, ultimately, I, I just – I think Purdue is, is, is pretty rock solid as an elite championship contender, and I think UConn is too. I think Kansas is a little more flawed in terms of the way it's put together than maybe those teams are. But I still think Kansas, I mean, I can't ever get too far away from where we were just three days ago, which is them blowing out Houston, right? right? This is who they are. I like the NCAA tournament. We talked about it for years. It, it's, it's random. And uh, there, there are teams that are capable of going to the final four that lose in the first round and teams that, um, could have almost lost in the first round to go to the Final Four. Like, we saw all of that last season in just one tournament. Purdue was clearly a Final Four contender, lost in the first round. Florida Atlantic was down to Memphis in the final second. Some fluky stuff happened in the round of 64. They escaped that, then go all the way to Final Four. Um, I never get caught up in February predicting where I think somebody's going to go in the NCAA tournament because 
I'm more comfortable predicting where I think they'll be seated in the NCAA tournament, where I think they'll be positioned heading into that bracket. But then we just throw the ball up and it could go any number of directions. My point is this. Um, Kansas could lose its first round game or win the national championship. Everything's on the table. I don't think they'll be the favorite to win the 2024 NCAA tournament ever, but I almost don't care what happens between now and Selection Sunday. If you start telling me you can only list, let's just say five teams that can win the championship. In other words, pick five teams. If one of them wins the title, here's $20 million. But if one of them does it, you get nothing. I will have Kansas on that list. And it'll be because I believe in the starting lineup. I believe in Bill Self. And I believe that if anybody could win the whole thing with a roster constructed in a, uh, a way that, Again, I keep going back to this word, but I think it's the easiest way to say it. Just flawed, just fundamentally flawed roster. I, I, I will never count Bill Self out. And, and don't ever forget, there are multiple computers that think Houston's the best basketball team in the country, even today. And the same Kansas team that is flawed just beat their brains in a few days ago. Yeah, they, they beat Kansas, they beat, or they beat Houston, they beat UConn, they beat Tennessee, uh, you know, you Kentucky. They, they've got all these good wins. And then, uh, you know, and again, I don't think this was a bad one. And I thought a great, by the way, we're talking to Gary Parrish, our college basketball insider, CBS Sports columnist, I on College Basketball Podcast. He and Matt Norlander must listen if you're a college basketball fan inside college basketball on CBSSports.com. See him on the set there as well. Gary, uh, Jerome Tang did a great job post game on ESPN of stating, well, you know, you go nine and nine in this league, you're in the NCAA tournament. And that's our goal. Two things about that. One could have said seven and 11 in this tournament and this league and you're in and given himself some breathing room. He did put a carrot out there for his team because nine wins is still going to be tough for this team to get to nine and nine. Uh, but is it as simple as that? I mean, he's definitely putting the pressure on the committee. Let's start this team. Best league, 500 in best league equals you're in. Well, that was nice marketing that he was doing there. Is he right? I think he is right um, in the sense that it has been true every year, I believe, since 2016. I would need to, to double check this, but I believe every – it's like 19 or 20 straight teams. If you get to 500 in the in the Big 12, you make the NCAA tournament. Now, some of that is, is tied to – you can't damage yourself too much in the non-league because then 500 in the Big 12 might not be enough. They're not evaluating your conference schedule. They're evaluating every game equally. So it is not a rule. Like if you're 9-9 nine and nine in the Big 12, you're in the tournament. But it has been a consistent true thing for a long time that it, you know every team, maybe this is the right way to put it, it is not a guarantee that you'll make the NCAA tournament if you're 500 in the Big 12. But every team that's done that for nearly a decade has made the NCAA tournament. That's a fact. Um, and I don't think Kansas State damaged its resume enough in the non-league to make that untrue for them. So I, I think Jerome is right. I believe if Kansas State goes 9-9 nine and nine in the Big 12, then Kansas State will be in the NCAA tournament. Um, it's just that I, I don't know that KSU will go 9-9 nine and nine in the Big 12. For what it's worth, Kim Palm currently projects 8-10. and 10. So that's really close, and they got one back last night that they weren't supposed to get. Um, so it's within distance. I don't know that I would bet on it, but I, I do think that what Jerome said last night and where he set the bar, is, is it, it, that's the right place to put it. Uh, last time they beat Kansas uh, there at the Octagon of Doom, uh, the fans stormed the court. 
uh, late in overtime during a timeout, one of the assistant coaches went towards the student section and said, we're not doing this. Jerome Tang famously after the game last year said, okay, we had our fun. We're not doing this anymore because we expect to win these games. Um, the fans, I don't know if they were headed out on their own, uh, if if they hadn't gone and done that, but just what's your reaction to that as a um, a motivational tool, a, a a mental game with with how he's tried to build this program? Yeah, I like it. Um, I don't. I, I think there's a lot of different ways to run a program and to create a culture, and I don't think you have to, you know, draw a line and say we're not going to storm courts against in-state rivals or top five teams because we expect to win these games, even if other people might not expect it. And even if we're underdog, um, I think it's like, I'm anti-court storming. I don't think, I, I don't think we should be doing it. I also recognize every time I say it, people just call me an old man who hates fun. So I'm not here to try to change the world. I'm just saying if we never had it again, it'd be fine with me, but I will say when we have them, as long as nobody gets hurt, they are memories that are created for people. Like, uh, as, as even though I am uh, anti-court storming at this age, I would be lying to you if I told you I wasn't on the field at Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium back when I was in college when Memphis upset Peyton Manning and the Tennessee Vol. So I've, I've participated in it, and I still remember being on that field. So if they would have, you know, continued to storm the court every time they beat Kansas and Bramlage for the next 20 years. That's fine with me. I, I don't mind it, even though I'm fundamentally against it. I don't think it says anything necessarily bad about your program, but I can appreciate what Jerome's trying to do, which is let's stop looking at them. And I know these are not his words and these are not anybody else's words other than mine, but this is the perception I get from it. Let's stop looking at ourselves as the other team in the state. Let's stop looking at ourselves as the type of program that if we are fortunate enough to beat the big bad Jayhawks, we must celebrate it like it's the biggest win in the history of our program. Let's recognize that we don't have their history and might not even have their future. But we know in this building we can play against them, play with them and beat them, and we're not going to make it out like we just won, you know, album of the year every time we do it. I can appreciate that. And if that's a message that resonates with your fans, then I suppose it's a message we're sending. We're talking to Gary Parrish. He's brought to you by our friends at the University of Kansas Health System. Uh, you can be seen by the same experts that care for the Kansas City Chiefs, care for the Jayhawks, an official health care provider of Kansas Athletics, together with LMH Health. If you have an urgent orthopedic or sports injury, the University of Kansas Health System can see you quickly. Learn more at kansashealthsystem.com slash sportsmedicine. Gary, can it would an over season in the SEC warrant a change of head coach at Missouri? They they just lost to Vanderbilt by seven points. Uh, if you look at their schedule, Arkansas and the only sub five hundred teams left on their schedule are Arkansas and Mississippi State. Uh, everybody else is five hundred or better. A and M is five hundred. LSU is five hundred. Um, and Arkansas, by the way, pasted them. Uh, it was worse than the score showed last time out. Can one season just turn a, a, a program upside down? We've talked about the, the flaws and how you and I kind of disagree with how he's building the team, but can it go so bad? Is there a, a magic line where you fall below this? It, that's a sign that it ain't ever going to work. I do not think there should be that type of line drawn with Dennis Gates at Missouri in this season. The only time I ever believe things can get so bad that you should do something about it 
this early in a tenure is if we fundamentally don't believe in the guy who is running your program. Like if you just go, honestly, the situation at Louisville, we hired a career assistant who had quite literally never been a head coach. It is so obviously a mistake. This guy, Kenny Payne, is in over his head. He cannot do this job. We have to make a change after two years. That that makes total sense to me. But I do not view Dennis Gates the way I view Kenny Payne. Kenny Payne has no success whatsoever as a head coach, and I understand why Louisville decided to go down this path. I get it. But once you go down this path and it's crystal clear, this guy cannot do the job we hired him to do, then it's time to make a change. I don't know that Dennis Gates will be the coach at Missouri in five years. I can't predict that. But he has done enough as a head coach at Cleveland State and at Missouri last season to make me believe in that guy. So I don't believe he's ill-equipped to do the job. I just think he's really got caught in a bad situation this year, and now it's unraveling on him a little bit. It, it you know, If you want a cop, it was, I guess, 2018-19 season. Bryce Drew is considered one of the young, up-and-coming, bright head coaches in America. And then his best player, Darius Garland, I believe, gets hurt, only played like in five games. They went 0-18 in the SEC, and Vanderbilt fired him. And to basketball people, it was like, hold up, Bryce Drew is still a good coach. He just got – he lost his best player to a season in the injury, and then it just spiraled on him. But do you really think because of what happened after Vanderbilt lost its best player that Bryce Drew can't be the coach at Bandy anymore? Well, they decided, yes, that is what they think, and they fired him. And they've struggled ever since. But I thought that was an overreaction. And now look at Bryce Drew, by the way. He's at Grand Canyon with a borderline top 25 team, and at the end of the season will be a candidate to get power conference jobs at the same time where Vanderbilt will probably be firing another coach and trying to look to hire an uh, up-and-coming mid-major coach, somebody exactly like Bryce Drew, the guy they fired in 2019. So I guess I'd bottom line it this way. There's a precedent for, man, we thought you were going to be the coach here for a while, but this one season went so bad we cannot allow this to continue. That would be Bryce Stewart Vanderbilt recently, but I, I think Missouri would be incredibly short-sighted to, to act in that way with, with Dennis Gates. He's proven himself to be capable, and just one bad year, even if it is really, really bad, I don't think that's enough to undo. It wouldn't be, in my mind, undo all the good work he's done unless, and I should always put this in there, I'm the athletic director, I'm the president, I'm up close with it every day. And I recognize there's some real problems here. This is not going to work. But from a distance, I can tell you, Dennis Gates does not strike me as the type of person that I would lose confidence in so quickly. We're talking to Gary Parrish here in the uh, program. Let's get to our final four. It's brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Uh, there aren't many things more important than playing your best if you're playing sports. When a sports injury slows you down, see the experts that care for the Chiefs, care for the Royals. The University of Kansas Health System. Get an appointment right now at kansashealthsystem.com slash sportsmedicine. Uh, I will start you with this. How many SEC games does Missouri win? Mm. Well, I mean, it's not – if you look at it right now, they're 0-9. Projection at Ken Palm, which is always more favorable to, like, the big picture. Like, you're not supposed to win any of these games, but we assume you'll win some of them. Right. But you're not supposed to win any of them. But we assume you'll win some of them. Well, even that's just 2-16. and 16. But it does have them projected to lose or, or to be an underdog in every single game. I'll say they win one, maybe two, 
something like that. And I realized that's really bad. And I realized then maybe you do enter year three of the Dennis Gates era on the hot seat. But I just think this is going to be one of those seasons. It might be a sign of what was to come, but I'm not, I'm not ready to go there yet. I don't, I don't even, this is going to be bad, but I don't think it's the type of thing that would make me want to make a coaching change at the end of it. I heard an album of the year reference. Did you watch the Grammys? Every second of it. I loved it. <laughs> Every I, I did. I didn't. I did not think the right person won album of the year, if that's what you're asking. Although I do love Taylor Swift. I recognize there's nothing bigger than her in the world right now. She's an incredible songwriter and talent. I went to the Eras tour. I loved it. I would go again. She's amazing. But if we're strictly talking about who made the best album of the year, of the albums that were nominated, I thought SZA, the SOS album, was quite clearly the best album on that night. It doesn't mean that SZA is a bigger deal or a better performer or will have an incre- a better career. In fact, I would say no to all of those things. But that album she made what was the best album that was nominated the other night. And I thought, um, just like Kanye said all those years ago, I think the wrong person won the award there. But I was still happy for for Taylor and and uh can't wait to see her at the Super Bowl this weekend. And and, and more for our great city to uh to to enjoy as uh one of our own uh winning the uh, album of the year. Yes. Uh yeah. I, I am not qualified. That I was not asking you that because I'm not qualified. I have no idea okay. you should have won anything. So I will take your word for it. <laughs> um all right, okay. uh next up, tell me, uh give me your Super Bowl prediction. Uh we, we tweaked on this a little bit. Now you've got a little more time. This will be your official prediction what are you going with? Let's go Kansas City 27, San Francisco 24. Um, I just can't bring myself to, to, to bet or pick against Patrick Mahomes. Um, as my, my buddy Chris Vernon here in Memphis noted after the Super Bowl number was posted for, you know, immediately after the uh, AFC and NFC championship games are in the books, like they, they, we are living in a world where you get to bet against Patrick. You get to take Patrick Mahomes as an underdog three straight games. Like, like. Imagine somebody told you you could take Michael Jordan as an underdog in three straight playoff series. You'd be like, all right, I'm going to do that every time. That's sort of where I am at with Patrick Mahomes. I, who knows? It's a football game, and obviously at certain times this season, the Chiefs had shown real flaws. But, um, you know, they've won big games to get to this point, and I'm just going to continue to think until proven wrong that, you know, that guy's going to be able to get the job done. Yeah, I'm, I have taken him. Every time as a dog. There you go. It's an auto bet for me. Even I even picked the Ravens to win last week, and then I went and bet the Chiefs. And my friend's like, well, why are you doing that? You're picking the Ravens. I said, because betting is not about picking games. Betting is about money management. Go. And my money management is when he's a dog, I play it. So uh, it's go. pretty simple. Finally, um, the San Francisco 49ers, I don't know if you know this, they're of the wine and cheese crowd, heavy on the wine part. Uh, they uh, said their field is too soft. Their practice field there at UNLV, normal NFL fields have a softness rating of 78. They don't like to go below 70. They say the uh, the practice field somewhere in the 50s. Where is the uh, GP lawn index? Uh, Gary Parrish's lawn, where are you on the softness index? Do you have a number? I look at my lawn. I don't touch it. <laughs> I, 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 I work very hard um, to be able to pay people to handle that stuff for me. So I, my family and I have been in the same home for like 15 years. I'm not exaggerating. I have never cut my yard. 
I have never pulled a weed. I have never weed eated. I don't even know what my yard feels like. <laughs> I, I, I walk onto my back porch, and that's about as far as I go. Um, I'll throw a baseball with my kids in the front yard. That's about as far as I go. It does strike me as this is just one of those things. I, I don't doubt that it's a real thing. Like if you told me, um, hey, you got to go do a podcast tomorrow, and I came in and the mics were, you know, subpar and the the the, I don't know, my the lighting was bad. I might go, man, this isn't up to what I'm used to. This 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 is not. I'm not. This is not usually how I do my job. So I don't doubt there's some real stuff that they're complaining about. But like, just, just shut up. Like it's grass. It's a field. Go practice football. I also heard them talking about. You know, we're out to prove all the doubters wrong and all the skeptics wrong. Nobody believed in us. We got a real chip on our shoulder. Correct me if I'm wrong, but these dudes have been favored in every game all year, including the Super Bowl. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah. Like, there are no skeptics. There are, like, I might pick the Chiefs just because, like, I think Patrick Mahomes is amazing, but you're favored for a reason. Everybody thinks you can do this, and you're still inventing these uh, skeptics and now complaining about your practice field. Just to zip it. Zip it and go play football. But, you know, well, I'll let them motivate themselves however they like. He is Gary Parrish, our college basketball insider from CBS Sports, and of course the uh, master of Parrish Manor uh, there and uh, <laughs> sprawling estates of, uh, of it's where. Not, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, you're the best. We appreciate it. We'll talk next week. It's No Hangovers May with Greenlight Dispensary. Enjoy their flower specials all month long by visiting one of their four KC area locations. Or check out their AI bud tenders at greenlightdispensary.com. That's greenlightdispensary.com. I'll see you. Bye-bye. We're almost done for the day, but there's just a few more things we'd like to share. But there's still more. Here's the kicker. Here's the kicker of this whole thing. On the program. But first, a good sense, end of the hour answer. Christian McCaffrey has scored a touchdown in each of his first six career postseason games. Two players scored in each of their first seven postseason games. I asked for either. Oh, boy. Um, some sort of a stealer? I'll tell you, both AFC West foes of the Chiefs. Oh, a Cliff Branch. Mm-mm. Running back. Fred Bolitnikoff. Oh, oh, Terrell Davis probably. Terrell Davis, Mark Van Egan. Yeah, you were you started off down the right path. Who is it? Mark Us Allen. Oh, Mark Us yep. Allen. Allen's uh, Allen streak ended in the game in which Bo Jackson's NFL career ended in 1990. Davis's oh, yeah. streak ended in Super Bowl 33 against the Falcons. Oh. Not bad, not so bad. Well, maybe the with, Chiefs with the start some streaks. Yeah. yeah, let's stop Christian McCaffrey's streak on Sunday. That would be something that would it? help. I that that sounds like a recipe for the Chiefs to win is have Christian McCaffrey not score. Yes, for sure. Yes, that'd be high on All the right. list. Curtis, what do you think all this whining these Niners are doing? They got they don't like their practice facility, they don't like the field. They're they you know we were looking at this article during the break about the you know they're going to bravely soldier on. I mean, come on, they're a little precious, aren't they? Um, that's the way you're. It, it's it's being played out uh, in the in the media. Um, I don't know that that's how they're actually feeling as a group, uh, but I think if you're the Chiefs, you you don't mind seeing those things that the, the Chiefs ever aren't ever going to complain about things like that so if if your opponent is is rankled by something and their mind is elsewhere i think that's uh, probably a, a positive yeah. thing so 
Well, the Chiefs keep the chip on their shoulder, whether they really are underdogs yeah. or not. They do that as well. That's going to do it for us here on the program. We've got Bethany Bowman coming up next. Petro's going to be in Vegas with us tomorrow on Radio Row.